Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Hello there. Welcome home. Oh, that's for me. I'm the only one that's home. You were already home. Uh, back in Sydney after San Francisco and a fair bit of work in between, but it's great to be home. Episode 335 of Your Tech Life. Thanks to the good people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technologies and Alcatel. The Go Play is available now, $2.99 at Big W and other retailers like Australia Post. Cracking little smartphone, shockproof, waterproof, dustproof. Tell you about that shortly. <sighs> we do it all every week because I love talking about technology. I love playing with technology and I love helping you with your technology. So if you've got a question about technology, a uh, problem with technology in your life, uh, it could be something you've just bought, could be a conundrum about what to buy, one 800 157 157 or eftm.com.au. Uh, doing a lot of talk radio at the moment so keeping phone numbers in my head in and websites is getting to be difficult anyway you can always get in touch go to the website eftm.com.au for all the expanded info photos and details of the stories i talk about here on your tech life and of course to get in touch send me an email uh, at eftm.com.au tonight we will talk or this morning or today whatever uh, tonight we'll talk about sausage sizzles at elections um have i got a deal for you that's a topic um, Bose QC35 headphones, 500 bucks. Are they worth it? Uh, Eddie had stadiums installed some smart seats. I'll tell you about those. We're also going to talk cybersecurity. Uh, what is the risk today? How risky are Aussies? Do we take more risks than others? I think you'll find we do. Um, and we'll help uh, a couple of callers with uh, travel questions and also uh, we might even talk about GPS units with another caller. So we'll see how we go. A few people I couldn't get to tonight um, because of time zone issues or whatever. So if you are listening and you want to have a chat, just send me an email, eftm.com.au. found a very cool thing on the Google website called the Google election page. That's not what it's called, but it's election.google.com.au. Now, the concept here is Google's got a lot of data. They know a lot about the world and they're uh, trying to apply it um, to make data more accessible to us. So if you go to election.google.com.au, I'm just doing it myself. I've already been there. Yes. It shows you a map of Australia, unsurprisingly. But the map is divided into electorates, and it shows the electorates by colours based on who holds the seats. And 
what you've got is a situation where, in very simple terms, you're able to see all the seats. You click on a an electorate. So if I look at the electorate of Maranoa, which is a huge southwest Queensland electorate, um, 637,000 square kilometres, um, I can see that that's held by the Liberal National Party. Um, doesn't tell me who, probably David Littleproud. Anyway, and I can see who's standing in the 2016 election for that seat. Um, if I zoom in to Sydney, I can see, so I'm in the electorate of uh, Barara. Let's click on Barara here. No, that's Bradfield. Oh, Barara's a big one. Uh, I can see that there's 97,000 electors in that electorate. Which is a rough, roughly, you know, ninety to hundred thousand is, is is an electorate. Um, it covers seven hundred eighty-six kilometres, square kilometres, and it's held by the Liberals. The candidates are Julian Lesser from the Liberal Party, Josh Andrews from Labor, Mick Gallagher, the Independent, Emma Hyde the, from the Greens, Roger Woodward, the Independent, Brendan Michael Clark from the Science Party, and Leighton Thew from the Christian Democratic Party. But what it also tells me is where all the polling places are. So I can see all the public schools that will be part of the uh, voting process. But critically also, it shows me whether they're accessible with a little wheelchair icon. And what they say here is you won't go hungry in line because live sausage data will be coming hot off the barbie. So there's a couple of websites called Democracy Sausage and Snag Votes. Now, those two websites have for a while now been collating information about uh, election sausage sizzles. And what they're going to do is marry their data into Google's data and Google's going to show them on a map. Now, if I, I'm just on the sausage uh, sizzle website, electionsausagesizzle.com.au, and um, I'm just going to try and actually find a... Uh, 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 an electorate and uh, and a school. So I can see Linfield East Public School is going to have an election sausage sizzle. So let me find Linfield, ooh, which is probably in Benalong. Uh, but I am literally just doing my darndest here. And it's, no, it's not. It's further, it's further east than that. Uh, it is in Bradfield. So, and then if I'm able to find Linfield, what's it called? Yes, I'm doing this on the fly. Linfield East Public School, um, which sits out there. I've found it. Now, Google have not incorporated the sausage sizzle data yet, it appears, but they will. And so there'll be a little icon of a sausage on the page. Um they're also going to tell you on those sausage sizzle websites, they tell you whether there's a cake stall and all these kind of things. Um, I just think it's cool because two reasons. One, it, it, lots of electoral data uh, in one map. And two, on the night of the election, allegedly, they will have um, real-time data from the tally room, um, which is excellent. Now, there is some data here. I'm seeing Ironbark Ridge Primary School has a sausage sizzle cake stall and is accessible. Wow, the electorate of Parramatta, there's a lot of data there, people. A lot of data. Sausage, sizzle, and cake stall. It's just what you want to see. So I just think it's a really cool thing that Google's doing there. It is available at election.google.com.au. 
Get your sausage out, folks. Well, maybe that's inappropriate. Go and buy a sausage. Ah, some people tweet me funny things. Now, uh, an exclusive. It's not really exclusive because it's on the website. But I wanted to tell you about a little product that I reviewed this week on EFTM.com.au. It's a battery. It's a 4,400 milliamp hour battery that will give you two full charges of most phones. An iPhone, for example. It'll, it'll also charge partly an iPad. Um, it has um, one amp output. It has a USB input to charge itself. And all you've got to do is plug your cable and your phone in, press a button, and it charges it. Uh, if you double press the button on it, it's a little torch. Now, I had a look at these things. They're about 40 or $50 at uh, JB Hi-Fi and the like for about 4,400 milliamp hour uh, battery. But these ones have EFTM on the side of them. That's right. EFTM batteries. Very clearly and honestly, I got them as promotional gifts, things that I can hand out to, to friends, to, to colleagues, to people that I interview, whatever it might be. But I thought... Do you know what? Every now and then people ask me whether there's ever going to be a paywall on EFTM. Um, obviously, I'm self-employed now. That doesn't make things easy. But what I, what I wanted to do was make a very clear commitment. I, I will never charge for EFTM content. I will never charge for this podcast. This podcast will end before I need to charge for it. Um, you know, I do the podcast for the most part thanks to some great sponsors like Garmin and uh, Alcatel at the moment. Um, I do the website. Pretty much out of love. Um, and I wanted to say to people, you know what? If you wanted to contribute in some way to EFTM, then there are batteries available for sale at EFTM. Just look for the review. You'll see the icon there. $45, including postage. I will send one to you. I'll even write you a handwritten note, maybe. Um, 45 bucks is actually a pretty good deal for a little battery, but I'm not suggesting that it's the best value in the world. I'm just suggesting that it's a way for me to say, hey, here's something cool. It's a way for you to say. It's a way for you to say, love what you're doing and want to support it. Uh, and in return, you actually get something tangible rather than just a tweet that says thanks. Um, I don't think that. What are they called? Um, possible? No, that's not it. Patreon. I don't think Patreons are very good because you end up with you know, ten people supporting you for two dollars a week, and those ten people are actually you know one one thousandth of the actual audience. And I don't think it's a very good look. So why don't, if you're interested in helping support EFTM, feel free to go to the page, feel free to order one, it's 45 bucks, I'll send it out to you as quick as I can, I've got a fair few sitting here in their office so there will be no delays and it'll be a, a lovely heartwarming feeling for me uh, because you'll be supporting me um, and I'll probably, you know what I'll probably do, I'll probably just buy more cool stuff to give away. Um, which is what I love doing. So the EFTM batteries are available now at EFTM.com.au. Easy to find, easy to buy. Um, plenty have done it already, and I appreciate their support um, with that. And with that, thank you for listening. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. We do it all thanks to the good people at Alcatel. The Go Play is available now in a couple of colours at a Big W for $299. With the Alcatel Go Play, your phone goes where you go. Gone are the days of worrying about your phone getting wet. From the hot tub to the lake to the kitchen sink, bring your phone along for the ride. That's right. It is a very nice little phone. It's a, a 9.2 inch in, in, in width. No, width. 
Product depth, 9.2 centimetres. I reckon that should be millimetres. Product height, 14 centimetres. Product width, 7 centimetres. It is uh, has a 24-month warranty. It is shockproof, dustproof, waterproof. One runs Android and uh, runs really well. But the shockproof, dustproof, waterproof is the key feature of this phone. At just $299, you can't go wrong. Uh, buy it outright. Save money on your monthly plan because you can shop around and find the plan to suit you. Once you've got an Alcatel Go Play, just $299 now at Big W. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your Tech, tech life. life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading uh, Your Tech Life. The name of the show, eftm.com.au, the website to go to to get in touch. Any questions, any comments, anything about technology, uh, eftm.com.au. G'day, Phil. Hey, Jan. Good, mate. How can I help you? Um... I'm going to Fiji next month, and I'm no. thinking about taking my Phantom 3 drone Ooh. and doing some filming over there. Yeah, I was just wondering about what's the go with taking drones on aeroplanes overseas and using them in other countries. Like, is there any regulations to watch out for, or is it just too hard to take a drone on an aeroplane? Stuff like that. Do you know what? Um, I, I've done it a couple of times, and um, I don't think you should avoid it. I think you should just do your research, which is obviously what you're doing. So... Firstly, on the plane, um, there's a couple of things to do. First and foremost, if you can, if you can get away with the the drone being your carry-on, that would be ideal because yep. – so the reason is you have to carry on the batteries. Do you have – how many batteries have you yeah, got? And they can, just two, and I knew that the, the pressure change in the cabin would be okay, but underneath the plane wouldn't be a good idea. That's right. So anything um, anything you read will tell you to do this, but basically what I do is I um, I get the batteries and wrap them in a, pl- in a plastic bag each so they're separate, um, and I, I pack them. Yep. Um, and then when you go through the uh, scanner, the X-ray through security, they'll pull you up, and they'll say, what the hell is these? And you say, they're batteries for the drone, they're separate. Da-da. And you know what? They look at for exposed connections on the batteries, but the drones don't have that because they're kind of protected by the plastic. So... That's actually a really good thing. But that's the reason I say travel with the drone as carry-on because then it's very obvious what it is. You can say, here's the drone, here's the batteries, trust me, I'm all good. Um, unfortunately, yeah. you know, carry-on is very restrictive on some airlines. It's not always that easy or you might have another bag. So you might have to work that out. But I certainly find that traveling with the drone as my only carry-on in a you know good bag, um, if you've got a backpack for it, yeah. is, um, is the absolute optimum way to go. Um, so yeah, your bag has the, like the foam. Backpack. Yeah, you got the DJI backpack. Perfect. So, so the getting one, there. The one that's made to fit at all. Yeah, perfect. Getting there, completely fine. Like there won't be a drama there at all. Um, then the question yes, is, please. what are the what are the rules? Now, I'm just going to say to you, I haven't researched Fiji directly, and I'm, I'll have a little look now. But what I do is always start with the basics of I wouldn't do anything that I wouldn't do in Australia because we've got pretty tight laws, right? You know, we're we're pretty yeah. well restricted um so I, I work on the assumption that if i'm doing what i would do in australia then that's that's good um i'm just quickly reading uh and the pure remote control aircraft uh, doesn't have to range 50 meters doesn't actually um anything above two two kilograms is a model aircraft will require permission to operate so you're good with the, the phantom there because they're uh um they're not they're under two kilos so that's all good um, and the, 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 the website I'm on doesn't specifically talk about the other regulations that might exist. So, um, in fact, I'm, I'm reading things that say there's no tough regulations, but 
just make sure you declare the thing and you know when you're going through security and stuff. So, mate, I, I would just stick with the Aussie yeah. rules. I'd do as much research as you can, but I'm not seeing anything uh, anything uh, directly. But the more I look, the more I'll find. I'm sure. But mate, you know, don't fly over populated areas. Fly in the in the in in um, you know regional areas. You know, at deserted beaches and those kind of things. And um, yeah. and you'll probably end up being really really. And the main thing is, you know, if someone. Like I was in the in the US uh, about eighteen months ago now, and I was flying in this national park. It was you know desert, there was no one around, but a ranger came up to me and told me to stop what I was doing. And it was illegal, and I went, "Whoa, whoa, what are you talking about, mate?" I'm, I read the rules before I came. He tells me that in Nevada they passed a law specifically that said you couldn't do it in state parks, which I think is ridiculous, given they're the best place to fly because there's no one around. Um, yeah. but he, you know, it's not like he's going to confiscate it or something, but certainly if he caught me again, I reckon I'd be in strife. So, you know, you learn as you go, but oh, I think mate for that, even for that one 15 second or one minute video, it's worth the drama of, you know, lugging a thing on a plane and all that kind of stuff. Cause the, it's just so awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. I want to, you know, I'm going there. I may as well give it a go. And, um, and how long you had it? Uh, eight months. Yeah right. And what what kind of areas do you fly when you when you're at home here? Uh, nowhere special, I know. Just parks and areas where there's no one around. You know, big open yeah. areas. So nothing exciting yet. Mate, Google Maps. Um, look at the coastline. Look for the areas that aren't popular and just go there because coastal areas. I I actually think that they're best on the on the far on the coast or way inland, like over beautiful farmlands or hills or do you know what I mean? Like it's. Actually, amazing. I don't think it's any. There's any purpose to fly them in in built up areas, which is you know part yeah. of the rules. But yeah. um, yeah, love it. Awesome. All right. Good luck and enjoy the trip. And uh, I'd mate, I'd love to see the photos and videos when you get back. Sweet. Sounds good. Good on you, mate. If uh, if you've got a question or a comment or uh, you want to have a chat about anything technology in your life, just go to the website eftm.com.au. So I had the pleasure of testing something I've been waiting for for a long time on my way to San Francisco last week. The Bose QC35s. Now, I didn't know about them before a couple of weeks ago, but I knew they needed to exist because the Bose QC25s are without question the best uh, noise-cancelling headphones you could get. Great quality sound, great noise-cancelling, very comfortable, $399. I don't think there's anyone arguing that they're the best out there. But even my father-in-law recently was trying to buy a set for his wife, my mother-in-law, and he said, are they wireless? I said, no, you can get wireless ones, but they're not noise-canceling. So you get the noise-canceling ones, and they've got a cable. So the Bose QC35s just announced have both. They come with a cable. They come with uh, the airline adapter. They don't come with removable batteries, trip double A's. They have a USB to charge. But you unplug the cable, and you're instantly in... Bluetooth mode and noise cancelling at the same time. You can't be in Bluetooth without noise cancelling, but you can be in noise cancelling without Bluetooth just by plugging in the cable. Now, I immediately put them on. They're very comfortable. I immediately listened to the sound. The sound was exceptional as always with the Bose headphones. I was very worried about the battery. I was on the plane. I watched a movie. I watched Rocky. Don't remember ever watching that before. It was a very good movie. Didn't quite get the gist of who won at the end, but anyway... Um, leave that for another day. The, then I set the timer on my phone and I press play on my phone and I listen to streaming music, streaming as in from my device, Bluetooth into my headphones with uh, noise cancelling. 
Now, I didn't expect that I'd get a lot of battery. Um, but the surprise to me was after seven hours, switched it off, switched it on. It said, because that's when it tells you what the battery's like, it said battery 80%. And not long later, it was 70%. So I'm going to say 25 to 30% usage in seven hours. That's pretty bloody good. That is pretty bloody good. So all credit to um, to the team at Bose for that. The battery life is exceptional. The quality still remains exceptional. Comfort is great. There's just a million reasons to really, really like them. Um, honestly, if you're a regular traveler, it's something you've got to save up for because they, uh, they'll knock your socks off. Uh, check them out now. There's a full review up at eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. And just quickly, you might have seen this one as well on the website. Smart seats have been installed in the corporate areas at uh, Etihad Stadium in Melbourne. Telstra and um, Etihad Stadium working together on this. They've installed little um, kind of arms on the seats, like in an airline, um, with Samsung tablets. So a Samsung tablet there with a lot of Telstra connectivity in it, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, 4G, whatever. And um, it allows you to watch the game you're at uh, on the screen close to you so you can see replays and things, uh, get d- dive deeper into things like stats, but also stream other channels on like Fox Sports. And then if you brought the kids along and they don't like the game, they can watch Nickelodeon. So <laughs> if mum's gone out and dad's gone to the footy, Therefore, you've got to take the kids because you can't leave them at home on their own. The kids can watch the um, the kids' channels while you're watching the footy and another game on the TV. Now, I love it as a piece of technology. I love it as a deployment. But I do think that we're probably clutching at straws if we need stadiums to have TV screens in the seats for people to enjoy the game. Now, I would then argue that basically... What this is, is a push towards having more content available to people in the stadiums via the Wi-Fi networks so that it enhances the the experience. So you're watching a game, there's a big tackle, there's a big try, there's a big mark, whatever it is. You're with your mates. They showed one replay on the screen, but you're still debating it. You can use your device to connect to the Wi-Fi and get access to those things. That's what will be very cool. It can't be far away, but Telstra was testing it even last grand final and they've struggled to release it since. But we'll see whether or not they're getting closer. I like it. I think it's cool. But um, you may disagree. I'll be open to your thoughts and input. Um, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your Tech, tech life. life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. This is Your Tech Life. Get in touch anytime you like, any way you like, eftm.com.au or 1-800-157-157. We'll get you on the show. Try and help you out. Now, security is something we probably haven't talked about enough in recent weeks or months here on the show. We used to do it um, quite regularly. And it's kind of something I've overlooked a little bit. But I've seen some really interesting data and, um, I guess, uh, alerts come out of a lot of security companies, one of which is uh, Checkpoint Software Technologies. And the general manager for Australia and New Zealand for Checkpoint, Chris Rodriguez, is on the line. G'day, Chris. G'day, Trevor. How are you? Thanks Ma- for having us. Mate, I'm very well. What, um, what's, this, what's the situation with Australia in terms of the rest of the world and, and the, the level of risk that we have in regard to cybersecurity? Now, um, the way we look at it is is because we're such a connected country and because we're quite advanced in taking up technology, um, the criminals look at us and saying, okay, that's that's an area we can go to, number Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Number two is 
Um, in general, as Australians, we're actually quite nice people. We, we, we look at helping people out if we can. We, you know, if you want to use the word naive, it's some, sometimes. So I think they look at all these different factors and then they say, that's a good place to go to. So basically, because we're early adopters, um, we're probably, A, a good test bed for trying to break into the newer technologies, and B, we're probably more likely to want or click or do things that give us that kind of tantalizing taste of something new and something innovative, which could be fully loaded with uh, vulnerability. Exactly, exactly. I mean, a recent example was uh, the ransomware that was embedded in the AGL build yeah. that came out, uh, which, which was actually not so long ago. And um, it came out now, us as people, if you were an AGL account holder, we would have just thought, hey, that's my bill, I'm going to click it. But then we don't think of things like, actually, that's come as a zip file. Maybe AGL doesn't even send me bills as a zip file, they yeah. send me as a PDF. You know, there's certain factors. So we're just, you know, we just trust, we're, we're very trusting people. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the point, isn't it? When, when you find a group of people in, uh, in a place like Australia that are very trusting, you start to exploit them. Do you reckon, and I, I'm not sure you have data on this, but I'm curious, do you, do you reckon a per capita we are at a greater risk or is it, be, is it just because we, are, um, you know, we have so many people that are using newer, newer technologies and newer devices? I mean, it can actually go back, so that could be one thing, but you can, even if you take a few years ago when, you know, we used to, all of us, hear so much about these different Nigerian scams where, you know, people's uncles were these big millionaires and they had to deposit yeah. money, et cetera, et cetera. So that was the old school way. And now, obviously, with us being more connected to the internet and, and doing more things online, it's, it's an easier way to do things. Um, and, and it was really heartbreaking because I was actually at a post office not so long ago where an older older yeah. lady um, came up to the counter and asked the the lady at the post office to issue a, a draft, a demand draft to um, a money order rather mm. to a company in, in, in Nigeria. And um, I spoke to the lady and I said, are you sure you know what you're doing? I spoke to the lady over the counter and said, are you sure you know what you're doing? Do you, you should really not be doing this. Spent quite a lot of time trying to convince her. And then she said, no, listen, you know, I've actually, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm doing. And then the lady behind the counter turned around and said, this is a customer that has asked us for a draft as a, as a money order. Mm. It's my job to issue that money order. What happens behind that is... It's true, you know. You know, we it's it's uh it's not the it's not the place for the for the staff member to to stop them doing it because a they'll just go somewhere else and b it's not your place to know why anyone's paying any any money to any way anywhere. But unfortunately, um, you know, you're right, and it is unfortunately sometimes the older generation that gets susceptible to those kind of things. And and it's funny because the older generation are also quite keen to be savvy. And I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying I see a great adoption of technology in the older generations, not just the young and I think that's also therefore makes them more vulnerable because they may be not as savvy to the to the scams as they are to the technology. That's right. I mean, I think so, the scams. That's right. That's one thing. And then the other thing is also, I don't think there's enough awareness amongst that generation. So walking the dog in the park today, uh, met in, you know another dog walker who was who was an older person, and just sort of saying, oh, I don't, I don't use any basic you know things like antivirus on my computer i don't do anything because nothing happens to me mm. and then further down the conversation they say oh yeah my card got skimmed i was trying to buy some some windows for my house 
And then the next thing I know, the bank alerts me saying there's a charge happening overseas for some Windows. So clearly he had some sort of a key logger or something on his computer, mm. which was picking up his data. So, you know, I think it's that awareness us now, you know, as even though we're tech savvy, we I think there's still a lot that can be done around building the awareness for people. Which is probably a, a, a great segue to something I wanted to talk to you about, given we're in a federal election campaign, we had a budget only uh, you know, a couple of weeks before the federal election was called, which seems like forever ago now. Um, you know, there was a lot of money set aside for a cybersecurity strategy, but I look at that and go, well, right, yeah, well, how much of that money is going to go to bureaucracy and administration and how much of that's actually going to do anything for cybersecurity uh, awareness in this country? That's, yeah, that's a very good question there, Trevor. And um, I think on that front, we did um, applaud um, the government when they released that and say, uh, it's it's a good step in the right direction. Uh-huh. However, you know, there's a few things. Uh, is it is it number one? You can ask the question: Is it actually all the government's responsibility? But on saying that, um, I don't think, or we don't think, the government did enough for the smaller businesses, which in essence is, you know, 80% of the country's uh, economy. Mm. Um, most of that money or the announcement actually went towards strengthening up a lot of the federal. Um, departments and and their cybersecurity behind that, and then also towards the ASX 100 uh, companies. Um, On the back of that, we did congratulate or we said it's a step in the right direction, but we then went out and said we are offering this free service to anybody who wants it, who wants it's a free service. There's no obligations. If you need a security test or a checkup, you know, it's there for you to have. And, Mm. And we've actually had some good response, which was us being, you know, good corporate citizens we thought that would be the right thing to do so what would you like to see you know if if you had uh, uh, if you were a lobbyist and you had uh, very open access to ministers politicians what would you be wanting to see right now from a government-led approach to cybersecurity? so i would i would actually uh, i think um the 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 com- compulsory data breach laws are going to be coming into into place soon so that's that's a good thing in terms of, for us, regular mums and dads and, and people that do things every day on the internet or computers, I think we need to be either um, creating more awareness, and the only way that the government can help from that front is actually to possibly mandate it. Now, I can use an example of the car and the seatbelt, if you want. Mm. You know, I mean, it was only when the government brought out the seatbelt rule and said it's compulsory to have it, then then, you know, everyone was making sure we were a lot safer and the like. And then if you if you put that into context with cybersecurity, um, you know, for example, if an insurance company is, is you're, you're buying, you know, insurance for your business or whatever, and then I think a question that they can ask is, do you have or are you covered for cybersecurity? You know, and that's mm. where that education comes in. The government says, okay, if insurance is to be issued, it needs to be it needs to have this, or the people need to pass these three questions or something mm. along those lines. And and that's where I think mainly, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to mean there's extra money being poured into people's coffers. I think it's more around what are we doing to educate the people and what are we doing to to make sure that they're aware of, of the risks behind things um, and, and, you know, the implications. So right now then, and I think uh, that's, a, that's a very good approach, right now though, what is, I mean, you're walking the dog in the park, you say, and you're, you're meeting people who, you know, may be uh, vulnerable in, in of themselves. 
What are your top couple of bits of advice for people when you um, when you come across them with uh, cybersecurity concerns? What, what are the couple of things you, you try and hammer home to people are, are a requirement for everyday life? Well, for everyday life, I think a lot of, uh, you know, if you get down to basics is is make sure you have some sort of security on the devices you use to access the internet. So that is either it's a computer, regardless of what operating systems they run. Uh, if you're using a mobile phone or a tablet, make sure that you've got some sort of protection on that as well, because nowadays a lot of malicious things come via applications or apps. Um, number two is is perhaps even look at, you know, not necessarily making make your passwords a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you, um, you know, keep changing them regularly if you need to. Um, try and, you know, actually value your, your privacy more than anything else. Yep. Um, and then the third thing we'd say is is just stay abreast with what's happening around the world. You know, make yourself a little more um, educated about things um, to see how that affects you in your personal life and the yeah. likes and then make informed decisions. It's good advice. It's a tough one. It's um, it's unfortunate. We I, I say often we did really well to to um, get people aware of viruses, um, but unfortunately that's not the threat anymore. It's uh, it's a whole new world, and we need to spend all the time and effort we spent for years on virus awareness. Now talking about cybersecurity general awareness, whether it's uh, fraud, whether it's passwords, and all those kind of things. We've got a big job ahead, I think. But uh, the more we talk about it, the better it is. That's certainly right, and I think it can start from people like yourselves and the media writing more about it. And I think maybe it needs to twist and turn the other way where it is more around uh, making good stories out of it and say, this is how we fought the bad guys, rather than say, oh, someone's been hit and, you know, more doom and gloom sort of thing. And and the, the minute we put a different spin on things, perhaps people will start looking at it in a different way as well. Good thoughts. Um, lovely to chat, and hopefully we can chat again soon. Thanks, Trevor. Thank you. Chris Rodriguez, who's the uh, General Manager for Australia and New Zealand for Checkpoint Software Technologies. Love to know what you think. If you've uh, got a got a comment to make about cybersecurity, get in touch. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. eftm.com.au, the place to go if you want to get in touch, say good day. If you've got a question about technology, problem with technology, or you just want to have a chat about technology in your life, eftm.com.au. Jeff's on the line. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, mate. Now, you were, uh, you were in touch with me before I went to San Francisco looking to buy a sat-nav, but uh, in the meantime, you've, uh, you've made a decision. T- talk me through what I'm interested in here and the reason I still want to talk to you is because you know, you've you've laboured over a, a decision. You've you've read blogs. You've read everything. What did you end up doing, and what were you originally looking for? Well, Trevor, my my main um, purpose for wanting to buy is I know that a lot of this is available on um, smartphones and those sorts of things, but um, they are also in use when you may want this device in use. So I right. thought, well, I'll just uh, bite the bullet and have a look at it. Um, I really came down to probably to the TomTom and the Garmin. Mm. Um, and in the research that I'd done, there's always good and bad and mm. pros and cons. My the thing that I, I had, as you said in your intro, I had purchased and I went with the TomTom 6100 mm-hmm. um, just for the bigger screen. Right. Um, so that's got like a six-inch screen on it, yeah? That, correct. And it also has a, uh, a SIM card that uh, if satellites were down, I'm led to believe that it can um, ping off the tower so it keeps you in contact 
um, which is also a handy thing. The other thing mm. that really took my interest was that it has also world maps, and we do a bit of uh, overseas travel um, as well as interstate, and it's, uh, it can convert to a handheld device, so it gives you those world maps as well. If you're driving, um, then it's also another handy... And they're, um, and they're built into it, or do you need to download them at some point? Um, yes, that's right, you do. But uh, And, uh, you know, as I said, there's... When I was looking at the, the pros and cons of it, it, you know, there's a lot of blogs I read and people were happy with it, not happy with it. The one thing that did move me slightly away from TomTom was people's um, comments that they were not easy to deal with for the service for any technical advice. Oh. Um, hopefully I'm not going to be in that position because well, exactly. I've downloaded the manual and I'm so like reading through the, you know, 50, 60, 80 pages, <laughs> whatever it is, plus. Well, no, I lied uh, as I turn the page here, Trevor, just to have a look at the very last page. And I know this is not much interest to you listeners, but 124 pages of manual will get you there eventually. There is a 3D option in it as well, which is handy. Um, but yeah, look, for all the, all the, uh, the good of it, I've used it. I've only had it since Saturday, and today being Tuesday evening yeah. here. So, so, you, uh, yeah, you know, so let me it. let me remind myself the the potential for the SIM card to help while if GPS is out. Uh, the world maps. Um, was there anything else that that really pushed you over the line? Because it is a this is the thing. It really is a tight thing, isn't it? It's Ford versus Holden. It's PlayStation versus Xbox. They they all do a good job. Well, they they do, and you know this was just um, just a uh, I got a relatively good deal on just over the three hundred, which is you know a fairly substantial purchase for pretty much you know most times I I was a late converted to this Trevor because most places I think people go they know where they're going and how to get there. Yeah, but we are um, in the next uh, Friday this week travelling to Tasmania for two weeks and. I don't have a Tasway equal to the Melway, and my wife has an iPhone, but as I said, she takes a call, and all of a sudden you're, well, what road are we on? Where do we turn? What are we doing? So I thought I'll just bite the bullet and uh, and do it, and you know, for the little bit I've used it so far, I'm quite impressed with it. It does everything I need to do and a, a bit more, um, but I'm still learning. So it's still Has it got voice but, commands, mate? Have you, have you found yes, that part yes, of the manual? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it's got all those. It's... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fully integrative screen. It's got a click and go, which is easy to take off the mount. Um, lifetime uh, maps for the world, lifetime yep. traffic um, via the built-in SIM, um, speed camera alert, uh, red light camera, six-inch screen. Um, but, of course, you know the other part when I was researching this is that when they say lifetime updates and those sort of things, it's for the lifetime that that particular... Um, software is used on the device, a bit like um, if they were to change the operating system, well, mm. then, of course, you'd have to get this rechip. But as for as long as they continue to use this particular... Yeah, so if they... Um, if, I mean, if, system, if they in, um, in in five, ten years from now have just a completely different way of doing mapping and software and they release a whole new range that do it differently, then that's the point where they go, I'm sorry, guys, it was ten years old. I mean, you know... <laughs> Exactly right, and then you get to the situation where you it'll still work, but you may be running off a 2016 malware, let's say, and it's now 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Your malware doesn't die; it just doesn't have all those new state updates and all the latest updates. But look, for, for my value, if I was to get five years value out of it, then I think I've You'd done pretty well for the travelling that we do. And um, you know, particularly now that we're doing more um, locally and Australia wide, I don't know a lot of. You know, my way around, you know, other areas. So it's very handy uh, back up to have, particularly to get off the beaten road a bit. Um, and just so quickly, yeah, just quickly before I let you go, um, hmm. what what um, what was the purchasing process for you? Because obviously you did all your research online, you could have bought online. I'm tipping you went into a store, did you? 
I did. I ended up um, going to the good guys. I'm in the Mooney Ponds area, and I went to Mooney po- uh, to the good guys in Maribyrnong. I went to um, JB in Maribyrnong. I went to uh, Harvey Norman. They're all fairly competitive, but in the end, I got a, a better price with um, uh, with the good good guys. What they was the difference between the, them all? Uh, the extended warranty. Oh, you don't they do all that. Study that, but but I don't necessarily believe in that because there's a thing called merchantable quality, and if you buy for a certain price and you expect beyond the 12 month. Yeah, um, no, it's it's now it's anyway. now called Australian Consumer Law. And that, that's what that's covers correct. you. So you are you're absolutely spot on there. Good research. What was the price difference between the different retailers? Uh, look, there wasn't a lot in it, but yeah. in the end, I think about forty dollars better off. It's so, pretty I good mean, though. Sort of a bit when you when you consider that's a big it percentage. At, well, it did when it started off at three say seventy, and you know I've got it down to you know three twenty sort of thing. A fifty dollar discount is better than nothing. Bloody so, oh. um, I'm more than happy with that. But but look, I, as I said, I've heard you on with Luke, and I've. Uh, uh, really value your um, expertise and opinion, and I thought, well, I'll throw a call in. And I'm going to um, say to you, mate, I'm really glad you did what you did. I don't think that I would have added any value that you couldn't have, you haven't obtained on your own. Uh, I'm sorry I was overseas, but I, mate, I think you've done very well, and I'm really, uh, I'm really thank you, thank thank you for enlightening me on the on the decision and how you went through it, because I think it's a good one for people to realise it is sometimes the simplest little things that make a difference. No worries. That's great. I appreciate your time and the call. Thanks very much. Good on you, mate, and uh, and good luck with the sat-nav. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks. And the manual too. Jeez, 100 and something pages. Uh, you can get in touch yourself if you want on uh, eftm.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Jump onto iTunes if you get some time and uh, leave a rating. Open up iTunes on your computer. Go to the podcast store. Search for Your Tech Life and uh, leave a rating. Uh, thank you very much to Happy Optus User. He says, great local tech content, five stars. Trevor, I've been listening to your podcast for over a year. However, I've also listened to Two Blokes Talking Tech for over three years. Wow, well, thank you very much. I'm also a big listener to overseas podcasts like Twit and through the OS podcast, have, though the OS podcasts have great content, they don't have the local content that you cover. Great to have a local guy to keep you informed with local tech issues. Great job. I use iCatcher to listen to my podcast. Very good of you, and I appreciate the review. I appreciate the info. It makes me feel like I know what's going on. I do love to hear from you because it um, um, validates the fact that there's people listening. Um, if you um, if you love cars, I've been driving a Ferrari California T for the last few days, and I've just published a 360 degree uh, review, uh, so you can sit on the passenger seat of that car and enjoy the sights of the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the interior of the Ferrari California T using a 360 degree viewer on your smartphone or Google Chrome browser. That was filmed with a 360 fly. We'll do more of that um, in the months and uh, weeks ahead. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you to Garmin and Alcatel for their ongoing support, and to you for your ongoing support. Get in touch. Go to Twitter, at Trevor Long. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. We'll be back next week. 